Welcome to Turning Point Leadership Podcast with your host, Ron Harvey of Global Core Strategies and Consulting. Ron's delighted you joined us and excited to discuss and help you navigate your journey towards becoming an effective leader. During this podcast, Ron will share his core belief that effective leadership is one of the key drivers towards change. So together, let's grow as leaders. Here's Ron Harvey. Good morning. This is Ron Harvey. I'm the Vice President and the Chief Operating Officer of Global Core Strategies and Consulting. We're a leadership firm in Columbia, South Carolina, and our main purpose is to create winning cultures by developing the best leaders. And so we're super excited about the work that we get, we do, the people that we get to partner with, and the difference that we're making with every one of our clients to help them create a workforce that people want to be a part of. And we all know that culture is huge, and we spend all of our time around culture and leadership. But I tell you, I always try to bring someone to you every single week about that's going to make a difference and add value to who you are on your journey in this leadership. And today I'm really excited about having Kareem Edwards with us for South Carolina Centers and Fathers. And I'm super happy to have him join us. He's new to the area. We're going to learn a lot about him. And so please, Kareem, thank you for saying yes. Thank you for being here. And it's exciting. And I can't wait to hear what you share with us in our community. So thanks for having us, Kareem. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Ron, thank you for having me. Thanks for bringing me here. And thank you for all you do for the, the business and the citizens of the community. Again, I'm Kareem Edwards, the president of the South Carolina Center for Fathers and Family. I'm so honored to be leading an organization that really makes an impact in the lives of fathers, but more importantly, in the lives of the children and families who we're able to reconnect them with. There is a, a startling statistic that nationally there are 11 million single parent homes. 88% of them are headed by single women. So you're talking about over 8 million homes in the United States with single women heading them who need their fathers in their lives and dialing it down to the state of South Carolina, 408,000 houses where single children, single parent households in the state of South Carolina. So our work is cut out for us, but we're up to the task. Yes, Kareem, Kareem, you really are. Your work is cut out for you. And it's great to know that someone's paying attention to it. That many single parent households that are led by women is a startling number. I'm sure that uh, throughout this, we'll be able to talk more about how do we contribute? How do we help? How do we begin to help you take on that task as an organization and as a community? We spend a lot of time on turning point leadership, talking about leadership and moving from success to significance. And what does that look like and what does that feel like? But everything we talk about and we add to our audience is about leadership. I'm a member of the John Maxwell team. And one of his favorite quotes is, everything rises and falls on leadership. So as you look at where you are now, you just relocated from Florida. You're leading a phenomenal organization. When you think about leadership and the task that's in front of you, what are some of the challenges that leaders are facing when it comes to, to, to raising kids or being a great dad or, or that mother that's leading the household? What are some of the challenges when it's only one parent leading the household? Wow. So the, the study in the Wall Street Journal came out about two weeks ago, and the study said that it now costs $300,000 to raise a child from zero to 17 in the United States. So you take on the consideration that if a single mom is raising that child on a limited income, only a couple options can happen. She gets help or the child goes without. 
So the burden is shared. And even if there are two parents in the household, it doesn't guarantee that the child is going to get that full $300,000 worth of value between zero and the age 17. The burden is, if it's shared between two parents, then at least it's lightened. But if a dad is absent, you know that the mom is going to struggle. And unless, of course, she's independently wealthy or has a, uh, have a high paying job. So when you talk about the burden, $300,000 for one child, and we know many of our single moms have two, if not three children, which makes that burden even heavier. So the real impact is shared. Uh, the real impact is carried by the person who's carrying the bulk of that $300,000 burden. Wow. Yeah. My wife and I are in the house and I can, and we do split that $300,000. And so I can imagine. So when you think of the, from a leadership lens, when that, when it's just a mother that's there and there's not a man present, what are the leadership things that this kid is missing? Especially if it's a boy that the mother's raising. Yeah, yeah. The first thing is an example. If a role of a dad is to protect, provide, and love, then that young man is not being given an example of how a man should protect, provide, and love his family. So that's why we end up with so many young men in the community demonstrating what I call make-up-as-you-go manhood. It's the fake bravado. It's the unrealistic expectation of themselves. It is the dangers that they fall in to try to demonstrate their masculinity, or it's their frustration in trying to find ways to provide for their families. If they feel that they aren't able to do it, then maybe they get desperate in their result to crime or drugs and things of that nature. So the pressure is on particularly a young male who's growing up in a house without a man, not having that example. And then you flip to the other side, the impact of a young lady growing up in a house. Yes. She's not taught how to be loved, how to be loved by a man. She doesn't understand the role of a man is to protect, provide, and, and often that baggage is carried on into adulthood. And if she's married, it's hard to define roles because she was brought up in a different type of, uh, of household environment. Wow. Karina, you're speaking of something that I want to bring in because we talk about love and leadership. And you think about for the male role model in life, how many times do men teach their sons how to love? Because we teach boys how to get up, don't cry, suck it up, get over it, be tough, don't show your feelings. How do we start teaching men that are running corporate America companies now that are in roles like you that haven't been given a good model of how to love people and still hold people accountable? Where did you learn it and how did you learn it? Because that's super important for us to be able to show love without feeling weak. Right. You know what? It is an ongoing process. Ron, I just celebrated 29 years of marriage and I'm fortunate my wife renewed me for another annual contract, <laughs> but I'm still learning how to love. But I think there are some parameters. The whole concept of learning someone's love language is learning uh, their love touch points. And love language really applies in the workforce also as well. You can find your employees who react through touch, uh, who react through words of affirmation, through acts of kindness, and then just gestures and gifts. So understanding the dynamics of love language it can trans be applied to all different aspects, specifically in the realm of- Looking at you, you're in the role, you're new in the role, and you think about all the stuff that you learned. What do you think were some of the best lessons that you've learned to prepare you for where you are now? 
Wow, it's to simplify things. There's a book that said everything you ever learned, you learned in kindergarten. I didn't necessarily learn it in kindergarten, but through education, some of our greatest scientists have been able to simplify complex things down into uh, minute components. So the Greeks studied the atmosphere and they studied matter and they said, let's break it down to three components, protons, neutrons, and electrons. The Wright brothers were some two, two brothers from Dayton, Ohio, who barely graduated from high school. And they simplified the whole concept of flight down to lift, control, and thrust. And then the famous Albert Einstein, he simplified the theory of relativity. And if you wrote the equation for the theory of relativity, it would fill up yards of blackboard. But he simplified it down to lift, excuse me, E equals MC squared, three components. So as I take over this role of leadership, I try to keep things really simple. And you have one of my bracelets. And it yes. is Happy Father's Day every day. So the simple objective that we're working towards is to make it a Happy Father's Day in the lives of the 408,000 children in the state of South Carolina who live in single parent households. The gap analysis is right now, they don't have fathers in their lives, most of them. So they don't know what a Happy Father's Day is. If we provide them with Happy Father's Day every day, that means not only is their father in their lives protecting, providing, and loving, but they are sensing that it's a happy day in their lives. So, we make it really simple. There's lots of components that lead up to that happening, but I greet my staff, I greet our donors and visitors and board, as you know, with Happy Father's Day, hello, and upon goodbye is Happy Father's Day. And I wear two of these Happy Father's Day everyday bands because I'm gonna come across someone who I'm gonna give someone to. And I want them to leave knowing that the clear focus and the big hairy audacious goal that we are up against is making it a Happy Father's Day. Wow, so Kareem, phenomenal message. Great insight for people. When you think of the leaders that are running organizations, and that's a household, that's whether in a church or whether boys and girls club, regardless of where you you find, what would you share? You simplified it. What would you share? Because resonations are high. People in the company and the company is in a place where layoffs are high as well. And so there's on both ends, people are quitting or people are losing jobs. What advice would you share with leaders to keep their best talent on their team? What do leaders need to do today to keep their best talent? And if it's your best talent, someone else is looking at them. So it's very competitive. What do you and I need to do to keep our best talent? So you mentioned something earlier that touches upon a quote that I keep in mind every day. And that is culture eats talent, excuse me, eats strategy for breakfast. So that's a C word, but there's another C word that applies to retention and that is connection. So we as an organization are facing a retention problem as board members, as staff members, and dads. And that retention problem can be remedied by the C word, by creating a connection. And how do you create connections with people? It's another C word with caring. And it goes back to establishing a caring culture where people feel a sense of belonging. So we have to establish a welcoming environment where people feel a sense of belonging that they recognize that they are valued, that they are safe, both physically and psychologically safe, but also that they are working towards a mission or a common goal. If you notice in corporate America right now, there's this phenomenon called ESG. 
The reason yes. ESG is so important is because organizations realize that their customers, their investors, and most importantly, their employees want to be a part of an organization that provides value and meaning to our whole ecosystem. And if they have meaning as an investor, if they have meaning as a board member, and if they find meaning in their work, they're more inclined to stay or continue to invest or to continue to patronize that organization in spite of whatever the benefits are. However, if they have benefits and all of these other things, but they don't find meaning in their work, there is going to be a greater chance that they either, as they call quiet quit or that they depart. And when they go out the door, all of the institutional knowledge and all of those things go with them. And then your cost of retraining and hiring someone to fill their position start to go through the roof as well. So my advice is create a connection with your employees by creating meaning and value and creating a culture of caring. Wow. So when you think about everyone, if you're listening and you're talking about things that we all can do, that doesn't require you to have a Harvard degree. Can you make an authentic connection and show that you care? And it's the simple things, the things that matter to people. So you don't have to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You don't have to put in you know, 40 hours on this thing per week to show that you're, there's a connection and that you care. And not because your job description says you have to, because it's what you really want to do, because people can tell when it's authentic. And they can also tell when you're just going through the motion and doing what someone else told you to do. So Kareem, as you, as you think about you as a leader and, and you and I here, and we look polished and we sound very polished as leaders, where was the moment that things begin to change and you became more effective? Because I wasn't as good in my first leadership role. I messed up a lot of stuff, probably made some bad choices and, and didn't treat people as well as I do now. Where did you see the shift happen for you that you matured as a leader and what did you do to get there? Wow. When you start embracing mistakes, I tell the staff all the time, I love the spar and I love the scrimmage. And the best thing that you can gain from a sports career is that you learn the value of sparring and scrimmaging. And that is when you embrace your mistakes. I tell people all the time, I became successful in fundraising because I got beat up by my donors. I developed a donor matrix because a big dollar donor said, hey, I saw you give a Facebook post to a guy who only gave you $5,000 and I gave you 50,000. And I said, listening to that, not taking it personally, I came up with the donor matrix. So now if you give me $5,000, you get a letter. But if you give me $50,000, you're definitely gonna get a Facebook post. But it's embracing your mistakes and listening to your critics, not taking it personally, but understanding where your blind spots are. And then is where you can find uh, truth of moving forward. But and some people call it being coachable, but also listening to people who might not be your parallel in an org chart, but they can still be your superior as a subject matter expert. So deferring to their knowledge, embracing your strength, but also acknowledging your weaknesses or your blind spots and embracing that and allowing other people to complement those blind spots wherever they exist. Wow. Phenomenal. So when you think about and what's something you say, I want to spend a little time on because you hear it a lot. Don't take it personal. Yes. And some of the stuff that you get is pretty personal when you get feedback. Yes. It feels personal. It sounds personal. Everything about it spells personal. How do you separate it still so you don't take it personal so you can actually do something with it? And what I've noticed in my time, if I took it personal, I didn't do anything productive or effective with the feedback. 
because I was caught up in my emotions and my feelings, which didn't help me get better because I sat there and I was soaked into this bad feeling. How do you not take it personal when everything about it feels personal? Wow. So maybe I used the wrong description because you have, it is personal because it's unique to you. I go back to, I've been trying to learn to play golf for the last four years. And I found out when you're with a golf coach, you crave the feedback because you just identified something. You want to get better. When you want to get better, you crave the constructive criticism. So I'm sorry for saying that you're not taking it personal, but not allowing it to hurt you, allowing it to help you. Something that I've been working on lately, someone gave me some professional advice to stop saying, yep, yep, every time someone is talking to me and it can become a distraction. And I could have been offended by that. And it's a natural response for me to respond that way. But then I try to internalize it and that is a gift. So if something that you're doing is distracting from your message and you want to be better, then you work on improving in that area. My golf coach tells me that I bend my elbow on my back. I want to drive the ball longer. So I'm going to work on not bending my elbow. So I think the key component is, as you said, you have to want to get better and you just don't let the criticism hurt you for long. It may hurt you, but just let it use it to help you more than it hurts. I love it. And, and this is all real for us. We're having a real authentic conversation. And the beauty that you're saying is let it help you versus hurt you. Yes. If you really want to get better at it, you're going to have to do something personally to improve it. And people say, hey, man, don't, you know, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal means don't let it hurt you. Let it help you get personally better so you can achieve what you want to achieve. It's going to require all of us when you get feedback to personally do something with it Absolutely. so you can improve at where you are. And so I love the idea of helping you versus hurting you. So when you start thinking about what advice would you share with an up and coming leader so they don't make the same mistakes you and I may have made, not that they and they may not hear it out loud the first time, I didn't either, yeah. but what would you share with an up and coming leader that, that sees themselves or wanted to be a CEO sitting at the level that you're sitting at in another year to five years? What would you tell them to start paying attention to? Paying attention to themselves. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. I think that's the first thing. And that is something that, helps you not take the criticism and allow it to be painful and become becoming comfortable in your own skin is what Jim Collins calls is confronting the brutal facts. I tell people, my dad died of a drug overdose my last day of kindergarten, but I lived happily ever after. But I still carry the void of him not being there. But I understand also that there have been many delegated dads who stepped into my life who helped me become the man that I am. So I have to embrace that. I can't hide from that. That is a part of my complete reality story. I've also been on the opening bell of the New York Stock Exchange with John Thane, CEO, who converted it from a nonprofit when he took it public in 2007. That's part of my story, too. So I have to be able to explain the lifeline to myself between being raised by a single mom, having lost my dad who was addicted to drugs, to being on the opening bill of the New York Stock Exchange with one of the premier CEOs in America and all everything that comes in between that. So being comfortable within your skin, embracing all of your stories, the pleasant parts and the not so pleasant parts, and then feeling confident you're gonna live happily. Yes, my final question for us as we come to a close, which is a challenge for most leaders screen, because at the end of the day, you're ultimately responsible if you're in a leadership role. Yeah. How do you become effective at delegating 
so your team can grow. Yeah. Be because you're, everything's riding on you. And most leaders struggle at delegating. It's almost like they give it to you and then they watch over your shoulder or they give it to you and they take it back or you're not doing it fast or they don't ever give it to you and they just talk about giving it to you. How do you become effective at delegating and developing people that you're responsible for actually helping them grow? Well, I think it comes down to trust. So hiring people who you trust and believe in and then it doesn't take you long to realize you can't do it all by yourself, but building their confidence because you can trust and believe them and they can have the capability. But if you haven't built the confidence or they don't have the confidence that they can do it, regardless of their ability, they won't be able to execute. So it's hiring and developing competent people and then trusting them with the responsibilities, but then allowing them to make mistakes because you have to program those mistakes in because it's part of the confidence building process. But it really begins with trust and having competent people on your team who you're comfortable with delegating to and then being comfortable releasing that information or releasing those responsibilities. Wow, wow, awesome advice, programming mistakes in. Most of us don't program mistakes in and we know they're gonna happen. We see them coming and we try to avoid it, but the lessons that you learn from the mistakes that you make are greater than the lessons that you learn from the success that you have. So I think it's super important that we do program mistakes in and you look for those opportunities to grow. So Kareem, you know, I want people to be able to reach out to you. I would love for people to know what's the best way to support the South Carolina Center for Fathers and Families and what your team is doing and what they need the most help with. So help us understand how to best support your vision and your mission and how do we get in touch with you? Yeah. First of all, the vision is make it a happy Father's Day every day in the state of South Carolina. And if that is the ultimate vision, you can help achieve that vision before you even come directly to support us. You can be a deputized dad by helping a child, whether they're a fatherless or a parentless child or not, helping and encourage any child who's in your ecosystem. That's the first thing. But the second thing, as it relates directly to us, like many organizations, we benefit from time, treasure, or talent. If you want to volunteer, whether it be in a board position or monitoring, excuse me, mentoring one of our dads, that's a possibility. Treasure can be a cash or in-kind contribution, stocks, appreciated assets. Maybe now stocks aren't the most attractive gift because you won't get much capital gain benefit out of it. But any types of material gifts, items that offset specific line item expenses, but then talent particularly expertise in the legal field. We're always in need of more attorneys to provide legal advice to our dads who find themselves in various predicaments as it relates to child support, as it relates to parenting and custody issues. And so any, any bona fide advice that any attorneys is, are willing to offer, and then other areas of expertise, organizational development, coaching, other types of resources, resources that every organization needs. And then the last one is probably the most one. Just keep us in prayer. Prayer is the most, I guess, flexible resource that you can give someone because it could be applied to any uh, area of need. And right below that is, uh, is cash. I know the Red Cross always asks for cash, but then there's just the time and then helping out kids in your e ecosystem are all ways that you can help further the mission, but then help our organization specifically. Awesome. Awesome. Kareem, it's been a pleasure. You've dropped some really great insight for leaders that are coming up. 
talking about fathers and families and how to really you know, begin to do this together. No information, how to receive feedback, how to grow. So thank you for coming on and sharing with us and how to actually help your organization. For all of our listening audience, you know, Ron Harvey, Chief Operating Officer of Global Core Strategies and Consulting, leadership firm in Columbia, South Carolina. We focus on creating a winning culture through the leaders that serve in those organizations. We're here every first Monday of the month, and we're super excited that we get the chance to share with you. So thank you for joining us. And until next time on Turning Point Leadership, Moving from Success to Significance with Kareem Edwards. Thank everyone for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Turning Point Leadership with your host, Ron Harvey. We're so glad you joined us. Remember to join us every first and third Mondays and expect to receive real answers for real leadership challenges. Until next time, make a difference where you are and with what you have. There are those who are counting on you for effective leadership. <music>